You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week two of the study Identity Theft, entitled Reflection Made in God's Image. All right, today's topic was being created in the image of God. And if you attend LEFC or if you listen to the sermon this past week, Pastor Joel made the point that we are so familiar with the creation story that we often fail to realize its significance. And I think the same is true for the topic of being created in God's image. It's familiar to us. We've heard it. It's a great truth. But how often do we actually stop and consider it? Before we jump into the chapter today, I think we need to look at what it actually means to be created in the image of God. Genesis 127 says that, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created them. But what about us is like him? The Westminster Confession of Faith tells us that God created man, man and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, endued with knowledge and righteousness and true holiness after his own image. Reasonable, immortal, knowledge, righteous, holy, after his own image. The Gospel Coalition author Richard Phillipson says that we are creatures designed to know and be known, be loved, and to be loved and love our maker. I'm sorry, I totally botched that. We are creatures designed to know and be known by God and to love and be loved by our maker. We were created morally, spiritually, and intellectually in God's image. It's in our ability to reason. It's in how we are able to create things. It's in how we socialize. We are very relational people. Humans in general are relational. It's in how we have dominion over creation, much like God has dominion over the entire world and everything about it. It's in our freedom of choice and how we have our own minds that process and consider different things. We weigh options. We make choices. Because God is moral and God is spirit, he is intellectual, that we reflect him. And when we reflect him, we are given the capacity to be in a relationship with him. I need to point out, though, that this reflection is not a physical reflection. It doesn't mean that we physically look like God. In John chapter 4, it tells us that God is spirit. And I have absolutely no idea what that specifically means that God looks like. But I can tell you that it is out of God's creativity that he created creation and that he made us. Think about our bodies. How creative are they? They are intricate. We have skin. We have bones and DNA. So it was out of creativity that he created us, but it was out of his love for us that he breathed life into us and put his image within us. If you consider all of creation, humans are very different from everything else. Would you agree? But what is that difference? It's that we are moral, and we are spiritual, and we are intellectual. That is how we reflect God's image. So it's not in what we are, 
but it's in who we are. Does that make sense? So it is a privilege that we have to bear the image of God. And I don't think we often consider how significant this is. So I want you to literally close your eyes (laughs) for one minute and consider it. You are created in the image of God, the creator. If you open your workbook to chapter two, or I'm sorry, page two, you have the attributes of God list that Bev told you about in the beginning. It's on page two and three. This list is not exhausted. There are many more attributes of God. God is much bigger than two pages of paper. So if you think of more, you can feel free to add them. But at your tables, I want you each to take a highlighter or a pen and talk with each other and try to figure out or try to decide which of these attributes or characteristics of God are we as humans, as his creation, also called to have. So I'll give you just a few minutes to do that at your tables. Okay, I know not everybody had a chance to go through them all, but I am going to ask each table to say a couple that they came up with. Front table, do you want to start? Do you just want to name one or two that stuck out to you guys? We only got through the first third. I'm sorry, I know. <laughs> Great, you have at least two to give to us. Any any of the attributes that you thought would would be for both? Yep, for us. Yep. Um, we said yes to attentive, compassionate, faithful, generous, good, gracious, and holy. And that's as far as we got. Okay. Great. Table in the back, did you have any more? Um, just, loving, merciful. Okay. How about the middle table? Patient, truthful. Yep. The back, did you have any more? I know you didn't have time to make it through most of them. What about you in the front? Right? Isn't it hard? Because we put, yeah, when we think of God, it's we can't even put ourselves on the same level, so it's hard to consider that we are supposed to be like him. What about you, front table? Um, patient, uh, truthful, perfect. Yep. Yep. So we can't go into every single attribute and and work through them here this morning. But I do encourage you to look at this list and then look up scripture and see how it actually looks or how the Bible says you should actively live out these truths for yourself as well. Um, So the chapter this week and every chapter moving forward will be broken up into three sections. Did Did you notice that? It was theft, truth, and then transformation. So every week you'll look at the theft. This week, the theft was that we tend to put ourselves into boxes and then allow these boxes to become our identity. Hannah Anderson, the author for this chapter, introduced us to the word identity politics, which I had never heard of before. But identity politics is when you take one of your boxes and you put your entire identity into it, and then you define the rest of your life by that one box. And the danger in both of these is that nothing earthly is forever. 
everything is temporal. And when these boxes fall apart, because they will, then we fall apart also. It also means that when we are putting ourselves into boxes, that we're not focusing our attention on the Lord. We're putting it on us, which is never a good thing to do. I was at a women's discipleship conference this spring, and the speaker had us make a list of our top priorities. So if you go back to the list that we made in the beginning, on the back of that front page, if you want to open to yours and look at them. I would imagine that your list for who you are or things that you enjoy would be similar to your top priorities. So after we made our list of top priorities, she explained to us that when you look up the definition for priorities, nothing comes up. It directs you to the definition for priority, which is a singular word. Um, there are multiple definitions. I just kind of condensed it. Priority is basically one thing being more important than everything else. Would you all agree? Um, she pointed out that you can't have multiple priorities. If you look in the dictionary in 1940, they did add priorities and really tiny writing under the word priority as, a, um, as the plural for it. Um, but when you Google the word priorities, there are like 15 different websites that are uh, making the point that priorities is a made-up word and it doesn't make sense because if one thing is a priority, you can't have multiple priorities. So, obviously it was a, a women's discipleship conference, so her point was that God needs to be your only priority. And when you make God your priority, everything that he leads you to do, he will equip you to do, and you will be able to do them well. And I think the same can be said for our identity. When we root our identity in the Lord, in one thing, being him, every place that he calls you to be will be perfect. And you can do it well. It won't be perfect. It's still earthly. But you will be equipped to do it well and how God intends you to do it. On page 22 of our book, Hannah Anderson says that by making us in his image, God instilled within us a deep sense of purpose and calling. Let us not Forget, let's not, let us not get our true calling confused with the world's idea of calling and purpose. The truth. The truth is that the creator of the world created us to reflect him. We need to ground our identity in him as image bearers of God. He is the great I am. In Hebrews 13.8, it says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The true source of our identity is steadfast, trustworthy, never changing, and never ending. We can rest in him. On page 21, Hannah says, The truth about our core identity is so much richer, more glorious, and more soul-satisfying than any category or role we could ever conceive for ourselves. He calls us to find our identity in him. And lastly, transformation. Jesus Christ reveals to us the perfect image of God and his perfect life on earth as fully God and fully man. In Romans 5, we see that Jesus is the true and better Adam. 
You see, when God made humanity, when he made Adam and Eve in the garden, he made them to perfectly reflect his image. But we all know that two short chapters later, everything changes. Henry Blocker says, oh, just kidding. Henry Blocker says, we must state both that after his revolt, mankind remains mankind, and also that mankind has radically changed, that he is but a grisly shadow of himself. Mankind remains the image of God, inviolable and responsible, but has become a contradictory image. One might say a caricature, a witness against himself. So ladies, through Jesus, though we are broken and sinful, we are again given the opportunity to rightly bear the image of God. And though we can never perfectly reflect his image here on earth, it is by his grace and through the spirit that we are being continuously sanctified and being made more and more like him every day from now until when we are with him in glory. Our Bible verse for the week, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Last week, Bev shared this John Calvin quote, Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. When we truly seek to know God and who he is, we know the truth of who we are. So let's not merely live as caricatures of who we were created to be, but we should live confidently in the calling on which God has placed on us. Let's walk in truth, living as image bearers of the Most High. I have two final thoughts to close with. The first is that it is out of love that God allows us to reflect his image. And he does this by giving us some of his characteristics. But there is an extreme danger in thinking that this could ever make us anywhere close to being equal with him. We see the ramifications of this in Genesis chapter 3. If you're not familiar with that, I highly recommend you encourage, or I encourage you to read that this week. And number two, is rooting your identity in Christ is something that takes constant redirection. This past week, I heard a podcast on mom guilt, and they made a point that anytime you feel mom guilt, it's because your identity is in the wrong place. And if you're not rooted in God, you will constantly be pulled against worldly tension. And now maybe mom guilt is not something that you are currently struggling with, but I know that you feel worldly tension from time to time. And we can use this feeling as a sensor to redirect our identity. We can stop and think, am I rooted in the Lord or am I rooted in myself or in my children or in my work? It's a constant reminder to check our identity 